And though their writings are brief, though the writings of the minor prophets are brief, their messages are no less impactful. They are minor prophets with major messages. And last week we talked about Hosea's message, which was basically this. God loves you and wants your faithfulness to him. Press on to know him. And so today we're going to pick up and talking about Joel. And Joel is a very unique prophet. Joel is uh, got some words that are often quoted in the New Testament that we're going to come back to in a little bit. But Joel's message, I think, in the time of place that he was in in history is so relatable to right now in our context, as you're going to see. Joel is speaking into, as he begins to write through these three chapters in the, in the book of Joel, you'll see these three chapters where Joel is speaking into a national situation. Let me tell you a little bit about it. There was, uh, people were scared, people were afraid, there was famine, they were thirsty, they didn't have any food, they couldn't go to the place to worship. Does that sound familiar at all? Their fires were beginning to burn out of control. They had armies approaching them. And basically, their nation had become so desperate for help that the land looked like a war zone. They were in a real national crisis. And Joel is speaking and prophesying directly into a national crisis or cataclysm. Basically, this crisis was onset as you read throughout Joel. You'll see that locusts came into the land and devoured their crops, absolutely destroyed the nation. And because of this, it brought the onset of a huge famine and basically what ended up being a drought to follow. Their crops were completely devastated. Joel goes on to describe specifically in detail, you'll see if you read throughout Joel, that he describes that the, the famine was so bad that their herds and the wild animals were beginning to thirst and starve and die because of lack of food and water. This drought had struck the land. Fires were burning everywhere. It was a real national crisis. Sound familiar at all? What Joel was speaking into was a nation that was in distress, a nation that when they didn't know what to do, Joel was trying to point them back in the right direction. The crisis that they were in inevitably caused people to suffer physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Joel describes, as you'll see in one of the chapters there, that he describes that worship services had been suspended because they were no longer, they didn't have any grain or drink offerings to bring to the Lord, so they didn't have anything to bring to the temple. So therefore, there, there was no worship. The ministers were without a purpose, so to speak. They didn't know what to do. And the question began to be, as Joel points out, among the people of the land was, has God forsaken us? Has God forgotten about us? As we will see, Joel does include some prophecies that seem to indicate a future day outside of his own present day. Joel talks about the day of the Lord often in his writings. And he uses this terminology that he says, for the day of the Lord is coming. And we read that throughout Joel, that what Joel is implying seems to be something that is talking about a little bit further away than his own time. Maybe he didn't realize that. So Joel is prophesying basically to his people, to his nation, and he's prophesying to them about a crisis that they're in. And behind the book of Joel is basically a message about a crisis and deliverance from that crisis. 
I think in this year that we're in now, we understand crisis better than ever, right? We understand what it means to be in crisis when things get difficult, when things get tough. I remember back at the beginning of the pandemic and I was reflecting how you would walk into a store and the shelves were completely empty. And many stores have certain sections that are still empty that showed the kind of emotional response that came from the the heart of the nation that we don't know what to do. We're in a crisis, so therefore we're going to stock up and and, and try to take care of ourselves the best we can. And Joel's message, I believe, is keenly related to what we're dealing with in this day and age. And I want to read you this verse here in Joel chapter 2, which basically sums up the crux of what Joel was pushing for to the people as he was prophesying to the people. In Joel chapter 2, he says this, verse 12. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Notice this terminology he uses next. He says, rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relents from punishing. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him? Perhaps a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. You'll notice that what Joel is saying here is very similar to what Hosea says, and you're going to see is very similar to what many of the other minor prophets are talking about, that we serve a God that is gracious and slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and turn back to him. Get out of the the place that you're in and look back to the Lord. It was the message of Hosea that the Lord is after you. So turn to him. Put away all of your your forsaken, your other gods, and turn to the Lord with all of your heart. Joel uses language to describe their context and their situation that they're in, that he says, rend your hearts and not your clothing. In this day and age, it was common, a characteristic that when someone wanted to express their sake of mourning, they would tear their outer robe in a way of showing of being in distress or fasting. And so therefore, the Lord was responding to them, rend your hearts, not your clothing. The same similar message that we see in Hosea. That the Lord is not looking for just a sacrifice. He's looking for our hearts. And so Joel's message is ultimately this. And this is really what you see throughout the whole book of Joel. When you don't know where to turn, return to the Lord. When you don't know where to go or what to do, look to God. When you don't know how to get through life or what this tragedy or crisis may be, turn your eyes to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's Joel's message. And so this morning, I want to walk us through a little bit, a few things about a crisis that we can learn and apply even so now in our national crisis, global crisis that we're in, and discover what God might want us to learn from this. Number one, you're going to see this, is that crisis reorients us back into right relation with God. I'll say that again. Crisis reorients us back into right relation with God. In other words, it kind of fixes us back in the path that we need to be on. 
Sometimes life gets us off track, right? Life throws us a curveball. It gets us off path, whatever it may be. But what crisis does in a national sense, and we have seen this not just even now, but historically throughout not just the history of the U.S., but the history of the world, that when crisis comes to the world, there happens to be this thing that happens in the hearts of people that begin to reorient us back into right relation with God. You see, when situations become desperate, we begin to look inward and say, and look upward and say, where in the world is God? When we realize we've gone through life without God, we begin to wonder if there really might be a God. So therefore, in a crisis, our hearts almost automatically look for a greater source of strength. When situations become desperate, our faith is discovered. I like what one writer says, that crisis is basically a way that triggers repentance. It's what God uses, in a sense, to cause our hearts to come back into seeking Him with all of our hearts. We see through this crisis that Joel was talking about that there was disaster. It was utter chaos in the land. It looked like a war zone. But what was beginning to happen was their faith was beginning to turn back to the Father. We see that their wandering hearts are beginning to be reoriented to God once again. And we begin to see people actively experiencing God's deliverance. Number two, you see this, is that, as we said here, crisis reorients us back into right relation, with, right relation with God. And number two, crisis realigns our reliance upon God. Crisis realigns our reliance upon God. Right? It takes a desperate situation to get us to look back to God, to check our hearts and see if we're in the right place. But crisis also teaches us of how we need to go forward in the days to come, that we are to be one who relies upon God. Not just upon God, but upon his deliverance, his mercy. And as Joel was trying to show his, the people, his willingness to bless his people. Rely upon the God who is wanting to bless us. Isn't that amazing? It's in crisis. It's when things get difficult. It's in like we're in right now, when things are just in utter chaos, it seems like, that we discover our helplessness and we discover our hopelessness and we encounter God's capacity to enrich and fulfill our lives. Isn't that amazing that sometimes God has to push us all the way to the bottom so that we will discover who is at the bottom wanting to help us? Isn't it amazing that sometimes God has to use a national pandemic so that we would stop and say, Lord, oh, how we really need you. Isn't it amazing that even, even not just for the world, but for the church, how God could use a national pandemic, a national crisis for us to, to realize as a church that it's not going to be anything else other than God alone that will sustain us and keep us. God uses crisis in great ways. This has been the case historically. Sometimes you have to get to the bottom in order to discover who will meet you at the bottom. And that's certainly the case what Joel was trying to show the people, that it took a national crisis. It took them to not have any food, any water, anywhere else to turn or look to say, God, we need you in this season. What a message our nation needs right now. When we don't know where to turn or we don't know what to do, Return to the Lord. 
The, the call was sharp. The call was coming from the heart of God. And it wasn't a call of necessarily of just wanting to push the people away. It wasn't that call at all. It was a heart of love from the Father that says, I want to be in relation with you. As we see with Hosea, I want to know you. So therefore, take this chaos, take this crisis and learn from it that I am the one who will keep you, sustain you, fulfill you, and put purpose into your life. Isn't it amazing that God sometimes has to let us experience the worst in order to discover his best? And I believe that to be true even in our crisis now, that sometimes God wants us to get to the absolute place of saying, what are we going to do? Even as us as a church, Lord, what are we going to do? We're not going to rely on anything else other than the Lord our God. He will make a way. Crisis realigns our reliance upon God. It reorients us back into right relation with God. And this other thing about a crisis I want to show you is that crisis reforms our heart. Crisis reforms our heart. Uh, this is the year of 500 years since Martin Luther walked up and nailed those 95 theses to the door to begin a reformation of the church. But even so deeper than that, reformation doesn't start on the outside. It starts within our hearts. Crisis reforms our heart. Uh, one writer said it this way, that authentic turning to God is the only fruitful activity in times of horrible calamity. Authentic turning to God is the only fruitful activity in times of horrible calamity. The words of Joel call them to return to the Lord, not just with their sacrifices, not just with their actions, not just what they could give him on the side, but with all of their heart. Even so much so, he said, I'm tired of watching you just render your clothes and it means nothing. I want to see you render your hearts before me. I want to see you when you things are getting difficult, that you don't just do an outward appearance. It's a religious formality. It looks good on the outside, but it has no weight on the inside. He said, in other words, I want to see it this way. I want to see that you rend your heart before me. That's what God is interested in the most, is our heart. He could care less about the things that are represented on the outside because that could all be a facade. It is an appearance on the outside. God is looking at the heart. And his call to them was, return to the Lord. Look at your heart. Rend your heart. It's amazing that in a crisis, the external tragedies of crisis cause us to examine the internal struggles of crisis. Sometimes it takes an external crisis for us to discover the internal crisis that is going on inside of us and has been going on all along. That it takes a difficulty on the outside for us to look inside and say, Lord, no, there's something going on with me inside that I need to get right first of all. Crisis reforms our heart. And Joel was beckoning the people and he was pleading with them. We, and you know what's interesting is we don't know much about Joel. We don't have a lot to place him in the history of Scripture. But the one thing that we know is that Joel was petitioning on the behalf of God to say, when you don't know where to turn, return to the Lord. Repent. Look back to God. Say to me, what, say to me I'm, I'm all that matters to you. Crisis reorients us right in relation with God. It, it realigns our reliance upon God and it reforms our heart. But then I want to show you something even more beautiful is that crisis is not the end. But isn't it amazing how when you get in crisis, it feels like the end? Like you feel like, where in the world are we going to go from here? Isn't it amazing how crisis just kind of makes it feel like this is it? 
Everything's wrapping up from here, right? We kind of make it up in our heart and mind to say, well, how do I start getting ready now, right? It, crisis gets us to that place. But isn't it beautiful that you're going to see through, this, through Joel is that God responds in crisis. God uses crisis to turn us back to him, but God also responds in crisis. And I want to show you a few things that how God responds in crisis that could help us even now in our crisis that we're in. Number one, there is a story in crisis. There's story in crisis. In Joel 1.3, he began the, began the words of the prophecy and he said this. And I want you to catch this. This is one of these, those verses that we often skip over because it doesn't really seem to hold a lot of weight. But it's very important to what Joel is trying to tell the people. He says to them in Joel 1.3, tell your children of it and let your children tell their children and their children another generation. We just sang it a few moments ago. Tell the story. And this is the thing about a crisis, is that when we get into a crisis and when we learn that we have to realign back with the Father, we have to reform our heart, all of those things, when we learn how God works in crisis, God wants us to tell the story of how he works in crisis. Because God wants us to tell the message to someone else who is going through a crisis to know that the same God who helped me through my crisis can help you in your crisis. And this was what Joel was petitioning the people. He says, don't just go through this crisis that you're in right now and get out on it and just live a happy life. Go tell your children about it. Make sure they know that you were in a famine. You had fires everywhere. You were in a drought. But God worked on your behalf and made a way. Make sure your children children know that story. I think we cannot underestimate the importance of that factor today of telling that to the next generation, telling it to our children in ANC kids and to our youth, to our young adults, telling them the story about how you were in a crisis, but yet how God brought you out of a crisis. They need to see that when you get to the bottom, God is at the bottom. They need to see that when things get difficult and you don't know where to turn, return to the Lord. This should be the story that we are constantly telling. God doesn't just allow us to go through crisis without a purpose. Every crisis has a purpose, and the purpose is sometimes to help somebody else with their crisis. Tell the story. Tell them about how God delivers, how God makes a way, how God would make a refuge when there didn't seem like there any other place to return. There's story in the crisis. Number two, there's strength in crisis. And this is probably the most notable verse in all of Joel that I want you to see today. You hear, it, you hear it quoted even today, and you heard it in the great sermon that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. And he said this, Then afterward I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions, and even on them the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my my spirit. I have really begun to just love this verse lately as I have just studied it. I have looked at its impact to what it means to us today. Oftentimes we read this, this verse in Joel and we immediately remove it from the context of Joel to see it in its future prophetic sense. But I want to encourage you for a moment with me to look at what this verse would have meant to the people that Joel was prophesying. Then it will give even a greater context to its prophetic sense. You see, in the Old Testament, the understanding of the coming of the Spirit meant a, a coming with strength and power. 
Think about Samson for a minute. The Bible says that the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he took the jaw of a donkey and he defeated a great multitude. Others describe David that the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he walked down into a valley and he took his stone and he knocked down the giant Goliath. Others, the Bible describes that the spirit of the Lord came upon them. Gideon, Ezekiel in the valley. Uh, the many others describe this. When the spirit of the Lord came, there came a great strength and power that, that came from that. And this comes from that Hebrew word that we understand that you might have heard of that's called ruach. It's the breath of God. It's the breathing from, from God's mouth into us. It's what departed from Adam or from God into Adam to give him life. It's the promise of that when God breathes unto his people, when God looks at his people, he imparts strength and power that is beyond them. In this context of what they would have heard, basically Joel was prophesying to a people, listen, they were in emotional distress, they were in spiritual distress, they were in physical distress. In other words, they were weak. They felt empty. How many of you have ever felt like that before? How many of you feel like that today, right? It happens to all of us. And so when Joel would stand up and say, then afterward, I will pour out my spirit. What the people heard was, I am weak, but God is strong. I don't have what it takes, but God has what it takes. In other words, what they were hearing was the same spirit that came upon Samson, David, Elijah, Ezekiel, is the same spirit that wants to begin to fill even our own lives. And what is amazing is that Joel does not just say the ministers. Joel doesn't just say the, the, the some people over here or some people over here. He begins to name everybody in society. He says, your sons, your daughters, your young men, your old men, even on the male and female servants, people they would have excluded from that promise. He said, everybody in your nation, they are going to be having their, my spirit poured out upon them and empowered with strength. And the beautiful thing is that what Joel was telling the people is that at the arrival of the place of utter desolation, emptiness, and hopelessness is God's promise to fill a desolate people with his precious spirit. It was the promise to take that which was empty and restore it with his spirit, to put his strength into him. The beautiful part about this promise is that God wanted to empower the whole nation. It wasn't just a certain amount of people. It was the whole nation. And this is why Peter would stand up on the day of Pentecost and say, Joel said these words, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And then he would go on later in that same sermon and say, this promise is for you, for your children's children, and to your children's children's children, all the way down the line. In other words, Peter was echoing the promise of Joel that when the church was at its weakest, Christ was gone. They were empty. They didn't have anywhere else to turn. It was the promise that you don't have to worry about how you're going to do it or what's going to happen. In other words, I want to put my spirit in you, and he's going to lead you. He's going to power you. He's going to make you a witness unto all the nations. He's going to show you that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you're going to be my witnesses. 
What a beautiful promise from the word of God is that God wants to bring strength in crisis and that sometimes God takes every other source of strength out of our lives so that we will get to the place that we will discover that God is the source of strength in our lives, that he so wants to empower us with his Holy Spirit so that we may do what is beyond us and fill us with power. Joel goes on to further exclaim the words that would be echoed throughout the early church. The early church would take these words to heart and they would begin to preach them everywhere they go. In Joel chapter 2, he says, Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see what Joel has done? Joel has prophesied the heart of God that began to open up the gospel to everybody. It was the beginnings of the gospel reaching the ends of the earth. And the early church would take this and they would preach it. Peter would take this word and he would begin to preach it and tell them, come on, just call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. Lift up your voice to God. He's going to come rescue you and help you. You're in distress. You're in a crisis. The early church would go through a crisis. They would go through their own famine, but they would say, then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, Joel, I don't think realized what he was prophesying and what he was saying, that what he was prophesying was not just a promise of strength and in their situation where they were at, but it was going to be the promise of strength for the church for years and years and years to come. Even so now within the promise of God's spirit for Joel is the promise of a future. He tells them, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when God's Spirit comes upon you, you're going to see some great things begin to happen. You're going to see visions. You're going to prophesy. You're going to dream dreams. You see, while these gifts may very well benefit the present, they indicate the arrival of a future hope. And so when the people in, Joel, in Joel's time heard those words, they realized there's a future ahead of us. There's a, there's, a, there's a purpose for me in my life. God's got something he wants to do in this crisis. And when God was beginning to say to them, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And all of you here, people there, nobody's exempt from this. Your sons, your daughters, you old people too, you young people too, all of you, I want to use you. I want to show you that you've got a purpose for your life. God responds in crisis with strength. And what crisis does is make us realize where our source of strength is, is that sometimes we have to get to the place where there's nothing left so that we will discover the Ruach of heaven, the breath of God that empowers his people. And I want to tell you today, I am so grateful for the strength that comes from the Holy Spirit. Oh, how the ministry could not be made possible without the Holy Spirit. Oh, how we would gather and it would feel sometimes empty, but yet God gives us his Holy Spirit to refresh us, to renew us. That's why when we come together, you can worship the Lord. You can gather together with the brothers and sisters and God's Holy Spirit empowers us and strengthens us. And you leave here feeling bold as a lion. Because it's not you that's bold as a lion. It's God's spirit that's bold as a lion. So we leave here stronger, empowered, and refreshed by God's spirit. Isn't it amazing that sometimes God has to get us in a crisis so we'll begin to realize where our source of strength is? We're going to begin to pray in just a few moments, and I want to leave you with this last uh, few points here about crisis. As in God responds in crisis with a story. God responds with strength. But the lastly, we see through Joel is that God responds with shelter in crisis. God responds with shelter. 
In Joel chapter 3, verse 16, he would say this, these powerful words, the Lord roars from Zion. The Lord roars from Jerusalem. The Lord roars from this place. The Lord roars from his temple. I believe this was the beginnings of how C.S. Lewis would get the image in the Chronicles of Narnia to paint Aslan as a lion, to demonstrate the picture of the ferocity and the force that whom God is, is that when God speaks, it's like a roar speaking to his people. The Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem and the heavens and the earth shake. Joel was trying to make the people realize that when God speaks, it makes a difference. You can't go without noticing God speaking. But the Lord is a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the people of Israel. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. Take a look at this for a moment. That the Lord is a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the people of Israel. I encourage you, go, go read Joel after this, this week sometime and go in and look where they had strength. Go find their shelter. Go find their place where they had to go get refuge. They didn't have any. And so what God was trying to tell them was, when you don't know where to turn, return to the Lord. When you don't know where to go, look back to God. When you get to a place and you're in famine and there's fires all around you, the Lord wanted them to know that God is a refuge and strong tower for his people. You see, crisis opens our eyes to the need of God in our lives. It is there that we discover our shelter, our refuge, and strength. Physical and emotional suffering is brought on by crisis. And I would say all of us have dealt with our fair share of that this year. But listen to the promises of God's word today. And I want to just really want you to take this to heart today is that God makes himself a refuge for his people. That when you feel overwhelmed, you feel burdened, you don't know where to turn, he is your refuge and strength. When life brings you the worst, God shows you his best. When life brings you a crisis and puts you at the bottom, it's there that God wants you to discover he's at the bottom. He's a shelter for his people. In the state of our world now, a crisis, all oh, the message of Joel serves as a fresh reminder today, turn to the Lord. You're looking for hope today, turn to the Lord. You're looking for direction, turn to the Lord. You're looking for strength, turn to the Lord. I love how Joel would begin to tell them about what God was promising to them. And he began to say to them, the Lord, he's become jealous for his people. He said to them, everything they lost, he was beginning to put it back in their life even greater. He said, I'm sending you grain, wine, and oil. I'm going to take away the army. Your threshing floors, they're going to be full. I'm going to repay you for the years that those locusts that made this thing happen, I'm going to repay you for the years that they took away. You're going to eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrous, wondrously with you. And he begins to bring that promise up to a close by saying, you shall know that I am in your midst. I am in your midst. Oh my goodness. What a thankful, what a, what a word we have today that in crisis, God is in our midst. Would you stand this morning with me?
this morning you're here and you need strength today. Maybe, maybe, maybe nothing has happened in your own life, but maybe you just see the toll that a crisis has taken on people around you, maybe even adversely to you in some ways. Today, God promises us his spirit and strength. And just like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, they were discouraged, they were down. They said, where in the world is Jesus? What has happened to our world? And Jesus came alongside of them and told them, you go wait in Jerusalem and I'm gonna give you power from on high. Sometimes it takes a little discouragement and distressing to make us realize, oh, how God is our strength. Today, you need strength this morning. I wanna encourage you, you're watching online, you need strength today. I want to encourage you, turn to the Lord today. Look to Jesus this morning. Lift your eyes to him. Don't turn to anything else, but turn to the Lord. You say to me, Charlie, I don't know what to do. It's simple. Turn to the Lord. Look to Jesus. Call upon his name. Do the words of Joel. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. It's a promise. It's the word of God. Hold it to him. So I want you to pray with me this morning as the choir comes. Lord, we need strength. Our nation needs strength. Our world needs strength, Lord, as we have learned in a crisis, Father. When we don't know where to turn, return to the Lord with all of our heart. Rend our hearts, Lord, not our garments. And so, Lord, today we come before you in repentance and in humility, Lord. We want to make things right with you today. My brothers and sisters, my friends that are here today, Lord, they're dealing with a crisis. They're dealing with trouble in their life. I pray today they would turn to you with all of their heart, Lord. They're dealing with emotional, physical trauma, Lord. I'm praying they would turn to you with all of their heart, Jesus. You are a shelter. You are a refuge for your people. The Lord utters from Zion. The Lord roars from Zion. He is jealous for his people. Lord, I thank you for your just strong appeal of love for us, God, even as we see, Lord, here in your word, God. And today I want to pray, Lord, that we might turn our hearts to you, Jesus. That we might return to you, Lord. Lord, we do it on behalf of our nation, even now in a crisis, Lord. We turn to you, Lord. We put the words the Second Chronicles to practice. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. So Lord, today we turn to you, Jesus. We turn away from that bad practice, that bad habit, Lord, and we look to you, Jesus. You're our strength. You're our joy, Lord. Lord, even in a crisis, you're enough, Father. You're sufficient. You're going to take care of us. You're going to make a way. I pray, Father, today that in our crisis, Lord, we would not keep this story to ourselves, but we would tell others about the God who works in a crisis. He gives strength. He gives shelter in crisis. He gives us a story. So, Lord, today we thank you. I thank you for your word today. I thank you, Lord, right now in the middle of our crisis, the promise of strength. Oh, God, I just thank you today. I thank you this morning. I thank you, Lord, today. 
as the choir sings, you need prayer, you need strength. I want to encourage you to close your eyes where you're at, lift a hand to the Lord, kneel where you're at today. You need strength today. You're feeling weak, you're feeling empty. Call upon the Lord. He wants to give you strength from on high and help you today. But it starts with you calling upon the Lord. So come on, let's call to the Lord today as they sing this morning. Oh, how we need the Lord today. Just tell them this morning how much you need Him. 